Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Fate Podcast. So this week, we're going to be talking about something that's kind of been in the news and something that um, Netflix actually just put out a new thing about. So it's Alex Murdoch. So this whole crazy murder thing um, has been nuts. And uh, no, this won't be turning into a crime podcast. I know there's a lot of those out there. But we want to talk about the fact that he tried to kind of scam the system in the sense of fraudulent claims for insurance. Uh, so he tried to fake his own death. This has happened many times over. If you check out my newest uh, TikTok actually out, um, so this is on the 7th of March. It's all about um, a John Dawson back in the day faking his own murder. Uh, not murder, I guess uh, faking his own death. Yeah, it wasn't a murder. He... Uh, Basically, him and his wife had this whole like concoction where they uh, they put a canoe out in the middle of this water, and they it was unfavorable weather conditions. Put an oar out there and made it look like he had drowned or disappeared. And I don't think the body was well. The body was definitely never found because he actually hid within the uh, house for five years, and then he tried to fake his own death again. In the sense of he went in with amnesia to the police station five years later, um, trying to like play it off like, oh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> oops, like I totally was lost for the last five years and I have amnesia. So doesn't exactly work out for him and he does not, um, I guess he goes to jail, I think is what that was. But basically, this is what is happening again with this Alex Murdoch. Something like this happens, um, and I won't go through his whole story. You can go on Netflix and watch his um, his whole stories on there as well as uh, probably a million YouTube videos about it just because it's been in the news and he just got put in jail. So let's talk about insurance fraud, okay? And then how like adjusters and um, agents can spot fraudulent fraudulent, fraudulent, um, apparently can't talk today, fraudulent claims. And uh, yeah, it's a huge problem. And that's uh, that's a problem for us too, because if we do have legitimate claims, it's going to be harder and harder to get them because they're just going to come with as much scrutinization as possible. So insurance fraud is um, a bigger problem in the US than we might guess, okay? So people are getting crazy creative with these. Um, and we're talking from like pretending you lose expensive jewelry, then filing a claim, um, and then staging car accidents, things like that. So let's talk about an example. So a motorist in front of you may suddenly hit the brakes in the hopes you'll hit them. So if you do, then they fake an injury. Okay, um, I've actually kind of went through that one time. Um, I had amazing agents on my side. Um, and I won't drop who my insurance agency is just because I don't even know if I'm, I guess I'm still with him, but still doesn't need to, doesn't need to happen. Anyways, they, the guy, I hit him, um, because it was ice and he wasn't using his turn signal to go to the next lane. And I went to the next lane and hit him in the back. He totally faked an injury. Uh, it was a neck kind of thing. I, um, 
had my people on the case. They actually saw him working at his farm like two weeks later, even though he had a full claim, you know, saying he couldn't move, all this stuff. So wham, bam, totally was a fraud. It was crazy, um, but it was drawn out for longer than I needed to happen. But also people can um, craft a counterfeit vehicle title or uh, registration for a non-existent but expensive antique or luxury car, then report the car stolen and then file a claim. So that's something another, uh, you know, people get creative with and stuff like that. So these rip-offs cost Americans at least $80 billion a year, um, according to the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, and then um, stretch across to kind of all fields, okay? So that's health insurance, property insurance, auto insurance, workers' comp, 78% of Americans say they're worried about insurance fraud. Um, some people deem minor ripoffs acceptable, such as padding a claim to cover, cover kind of a deductible you're required to pay. So that one um, you could kind of bring in, I guess, into the fraud area, but really I think they're just getting underpaid, so they're trying to get their own. I don't know. That one's kind of a gray area. So it's definitely not being ignored, and uh, insurers are constantly working to thwart fraud through a variety of means. So um, the use of artificial intelligence, you know, that's great. We just talked about that. Um, actually, that was talked about on, on uh, TikTok, not on here. So um, before you ponder submitting a fraudulent claim, we're going to talk about 10 ways in which such a claim might be scrutinized. And uh, if you're found guilty, you're going to be going to jail. So crime never pays. All right, let's talk about these. Um, and we're going to do 10 of them. So um, the, you'll know kind of throughout this how long this episode will be based off of the number. So number 10 is analyzing claims histories. So I guess if you've submitted a lot of claims during your lifetime or claimed a lot of losses, those are huge red flags. Um, I mean, it's like dating somebody if they, they're like, never the problem and they've dated 20 people you're like you know i bet you're probably sometimes the problem so something like that so you will be closely scrutinized with each and every committed um, um claim that you try to do so comes uh, especially true i guess with homeowners and auto insurance so insurers try to discern patterns in any of the past claims regarding Frequency and type, so you may not realize it, but insurance companies keep in-depth records on claims and do all sort of um, analysis uh, to interpret the data they contain. So everything from figuring out who is most likely to file a claim to when and where, and if your claim doesn't match the typical pattern, they're going to notice it. So that's that's a big thing. So I guess you could probably get away with a couple of these, but... um. Further and further down the line, it's going to start to be a problem with you submitting. And if you actually have one down the road, you might not get it. So again, crime never pays. This is not, it's not good to do this. Um, I guess there's other ways in order to get money, I guess. I don't even know how people do this because like insurance companies are so slow. I mean, if you need money now, this is years down the road. It seems crazy to me that you would be like, you know what, I'm going to make, I'm going to make some some cashola on doing this stuff. I mean, anytime I've worked through insurance, it's a pain. I hardly even want to get paid for things that actually happened. I'm like, this just takes way too long, way too long. All right. So that's number 10. So number nine, checklist of suspicious uh, loss indicators. So the National Insurance Crime Bureau or the NICB, um, which we probably didn't know there was one, 
has developed a super secret list of 23 suspicious loss indicators. And these are items with a claim or it's, um, or sorry, items within a claim or circumstances that signal the claim might be fake, bogus, ripoff. Okay, so they're not really super secret because we talk about the fact that it's a, uh, a list that you can visit. Um, but a lot of the people submitting fake claims don't really realize that this list exists and that can tell on them instantly. So I don't think we'll go through all of them. I think that's a little crazy, but let's go through a few of these suspicious loss indicators that insurance agents look for. So a claimant who's totally calm and unflustered after submitting a large claim. So if your house burned down um, and you're not freaking out, you know, then maybe that's going to be a huge thing. That's going to be a big indicator. I had, um, this kind of a side note, we were down in like rural um, Georgia on our way to Florida for a trip. Stopped off at like a gas station in one of those really, really rural towns. And this guy came up to us during the, um, during while we were pumping the gas. And he's like, oh my gosh, my house just burned down and I need some money to do something. I mean, it right off the bat seemed too super scammy for me. Um, and this was like 10 years ago, probably. So crazy. And I'm like, dude, like there's nothing we can do to help this crazy. And he, like, are you saying that your house burned down right now and it's down the street? Yeah, 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 yeah. And went through all this. And then um, the second, like he knew we weren't budging on the fact that we weren't going to give him, he just jumped to the next person. Um, and it was just a crazy, obviously, you know, they were just trying to get some money for something that they wanted now, whether it's liquor, drugs, blah, blah, blah. So kind of a nuts thing. And it happens more than you, more often than not. I've also ran into something in Gat Gatlinburg. That was a very similar thing. So kind of the calm and unflustered is a big thing. So a claimant who also submits handwritten receipts for repairs on a cover, uh, covered items. So that's another thing is making sure they have a proper paper trail. If they don't, then there's the problem because anybody can write down their own receipts. Plus, I mean, anybody can really just forge a receipt, even if it looks authentic. So there's, there needs to be some provenance. There needs to be like a number to call. There needs to be all this stuff. And these insurance agents are going to do that. So um, another one is a claimant who adds or increases homeowners or auto insurance shortly before submitting a claim. Now, that might be situational. You know, it might just be um, something that they were due anyways. And that's what they look for is a, a bunch of these factors, not just one. Because that can happen. I mean, somebody can add or increase um, homeowners or auto insurance, absolutely, before something. But uh, it's probably a emblematic of a red flag overall. All right, so a next one is a fire damage claim for a home or auto where the fire started immediately after a family argument or shortly after family members left the home slash car. This is definitely a story I've heard where people um, just were, they're not home during these fires. You know, most most people are home, like most of the time. You're home after work. Um, you know, that's where you spend your time. So the fact that a lot of these happen when nobody's there or their car's not there, big red flag for these people. So um, and here's the last of just these suspicious loss indicators so we don't have to go through all of them. Um, a medical claim submitted by a seasonal employee whose job is ending. So if they just work for a couple months of the year and they're like, man, I want to make some money after this without having to get another job, let's make this medical claim and submit it right at the end of the job and then I'll you know, have some money. So big red flag. 
So uh, some of these scenarios can obviously be present in legit claims, but uh, don't worry. Insurers know that they're positive. They're not positive indicators of fraud, just possible ones. So that's what the whole thing of that suspicious loss indicator is. Um, so next up is use of private investigators. And this is actually what we we're talking. This is what I was talking about with my um, insurance thing was the private investigators went out and did the job for us. So, I mean, we see this in movies. Uh, you also see someone kind of like faking, faking the whiplash after a car accident. After the person gives a false statement to authorities, the movie cuts to a person at home with the um, big foam collar. Okay, so engaging in an athletic endeavor, that would be impossible if they were really a whiplash. So next scene, a private investigator hiding in the bushes <laughs> snaps a photo of the victim and takes off. So that's kind of how I hope that mine went down was that they were dressed as a bush would be cool and um, not like a George Bush or anything, like an actual foliage bush. And they were taking just taking all those pictures would be so cool. But um, no, alas, I did not hear about how they actually did it. They just showed me the pictures. So it's not the stuff of Hollywood though. So pr uh, only Hollywood, I should say. Private investigators do stake out insurance claimants at times for these reasons. They also use um, less dramatic tactics to uncover fraud, such as researching claimants' backgrounds through perusing um, criminal records, interviewing claimants and any witnesses, and inspecting um, pertinent sites of where maybe they reside. So while some insurance companies hire private investigators on a freelance basis, many of them, I guess, employ PIs. So that's kind of cool to have that on your payroll, somebody that can get the job done like that. And uh, I guess the more prevalent of these, absolutely, uh, you're going to have more and more private investigator position. So number seven is look for evidence of personal injury mills. Okay, so one of the more popular insurance fraud screen, uh, scams include um, vehicle crashes that result in both legitimate and fake exaggerated injuries. So the scam can work in many ways. So you're, uh, let's say you're in a car crash and your back hurts. You go to the chiropractor who improperly bills the insurer for non-existent injuries. Then maybe lawyers uh, swoop in and uh, persuade you to let them start negotiations for a settlement based on your extensive injuries. So you end up being part of the scam, but unwittingly. So it's kind of like an interesting way to get swooped up into something. So other times, accident victims are asked to participate in such a scam in return for a cut of the profits. So some of these scams come from the law firms themselves. So typically those involved in such practices, um, certain medical providers or lawyers will perform the same scam over and over. And if insurance insurers notice a particular provider submitting numerous claims over the time um, for accident victims that coincidentally receive a similar treatment regimen, that's a huge red flag. So it's not only people doing this, there's actually personal injury mills. And that's probably some of the billboards you see on the side of the uh, highway there. Okay, so number six, use sophisticated computer systems to detect suspicious billing. So fraud often occurs through billing and quite often for medical claims. So physicians or clinics uh, may bill insurance companies for services never rendered, for example, or for procedures or um, services that weren't medically necessary. So they may also uh, jack up the cost for certain services, charge more than once for the uh, same service, or unbundle claims for three separate surgeries on a patient whose three toes were operated on the same time. 
I've actually heard this from people that um, they've ran into this and they had to consult their insurance companies about this. So billing fraud isn't limited to medical claims. Auto repairs are also uh, another area rife with billing fraud. So when some insurers um, discovered that their car insurance will cover the cost of repairing their dented hood, after they pay their deductible, they'll approach the repair shop and see if the shop and see if the cost of their deductible can be added to the bill with a wink wink and a nudge nudge. So obviously most reputable shops will refuse, of course, but there are plenty willing to comply. So the shops themselves will say slap a reconditioned bumper on the car, then bill your insurance for a new one. Again, in these situations, insurance companies, um, computer systems can pull up the claims where repairs appear um, inflated or just don't square with any of the claim information. Okay, so number five is handing the case to special investigation units. So many insurers have um, special investigation units or SIUs. Um, Employees who work in SIUs uh, generally have backgrounds as detectives, police officers, medical personnel, etc. So they are super proficient in these particular fields. Okay, so they're capable of um, performing at an amazing array of tests and checks to bust anyone trying to commit fraud. So here is some of the sampling of what they can do. Conduct burn pattern analysis and computer simulations on cars and homes damaged by fire to determine if the fire was intentionally set or not. That's crazy. Um, another one is determining if claimant injuries match a reported accident. So if they're medically inclined, they may be able to tell um, what's going on there with maybe an arm injury. Uh, investigate damaged vehicles to see if the resulting dents and scratches jibe with the accident report so rust analysis and wear patterns can also see cars damage to actually um kind of correspond with an old accident that's so nuts wow yeah once you're reading these you you feel like you can't get away with anything so conduct um financial reviews on claimants um so they're going to conduct those um auto or homes homeowners claims from those who are behind or on car or mortgage payments are immediately flagged as potentially fraudulent. So if you are like outstanding on any of your money or finances, that's going to be a huge sway for these um, claimant or these uh, claim agents. All right. So number four, evaluate prospective employees' credit history. So insurance fraud isn't limited to external sources. So there are a certain amount of um, these that originate with insurance companies' own staff members. Claim adjusters cut a lot of checks, for example, and um, unethical folks may try to skim a few bucks on the top. So agents can commit fraud by stealing customer car insurance or life insurance premiums. So under this common scam, an agent may take your insurance payment, then pocket it without ever actually purchasing a policy for you. Savvy um, insurance companies try to prevent such fraud by running credit checks on all prospective employees. That's kind of crazy how the call is coming from within. I mean, they get, they're getting attacked from every front here. I mean, they're insurance companies getting attacked from inside, outside, poor insurance companies. All right, number three, check on claimants through social media. So this is another big thing. And, and a timeless tale of always be careful about what you put online because things can come back for you. Okay. So much like the private investigator who spies the uh, supposedly bedridden claimant salsa dancing the night away, insurers are now using social media to check up on suspicious claims. So the claimant who said his car suffered hail damage will be bragging about its deception on Facebook or Twitter or will upload a video on YouTube showing how to create fake hail dents in your car's hood. That's pretty big. 
That's super bold. But people do this stuff. I mean, you see what people put online. You think this is above them? No. They're, you know, if they're going to make a little bit of money, they're going to post about it, which is crazy. Okay, so number two is solicit assistance from the general public. So insurance fraud isn't just a problem for insurance companies. It's our problem too. So according to the FBI statistics, non-health insurance um Non-health insurance fraud costs more than $40 billion annually, which you could cover by paying annual premiums for 400 to 700 higher than they'd be paying if there were no fraud at all. So we're all taking on the um, brunt of this. So it's not the insurance companies. They just raise away. Yeah, so you should be obviously um, outraged about that. Okay, And there are people helping out. So Checking, um, I guess here here's a way kind of to help out. I guess they're they're also um, asking cu- com- customers, sorry, to help them out by checking all bills for medical services, auto repairs, to make sure they list only the services and repairs that were performed. Um, and obviously, this is during like insurance claims. This isn't just like every single time. So, calling the police if you're involved in a fender bender, then filing a report and taking photos the photos of the both cars. Because we actually had a fraud charge when we got hit in the back of our car. The guy said like his stuff was already. I mean, it was his fault 100. He was driving around with no insurance though, so that was already a problem. Um, and then he was trying to talk about like how the, uh, things were damaged on his car. It was a whole situation, but. Um, so that's kind of a falsified of a claim there too. So being leery of doctors who push you to file a personal injury claim after an accident, even if you weren't injured, that means they're in cahoots with other, okay? Just like other, I guess, businesses that do that exact same thing. All right, so number one is performing cross-checks. So one of the easiest ways for insurers to catch crooks is via a basic cross-check. So where they look for simple patterns in the checks they're sending out to pay claims. So if the same person is receiving numerous checks, that's huge. Because like, how are you so accident-prone and still have insurance? (laughs) So is the payment of several big claims to the same address, even if the name of the claim, uh, the check is different? It's not rocket science, but it works. So cross-checks are limited um, to an insurance database either. So thousands of insurance companies, self-insured entities, and third-party administrators report all their claims to the ISO Claim Search, which is an anti-fraud information system. And the system is created by Insurance Service Office Incorporated and covers auto property liability claim. So cross-checking a new claim against all of the other database. So like 1 billion plus different things makes it easier to sniff out staged accident rings. Finger those submitting um, multiple claims for the same loss and then other scams. So guys, that is it for the whole insurance and pretty much how people both get away with it and also how they get caught. That's kind of what the the whole episode was about. So if you guys had any interest in submitting fake claims, I would say no. Because this is only 10. And we didn't even talk about the suspicious all of them. There's 28 of them. We talked about four of them. And those four seemed pretty crazy spot on, I would say. Didn't seem like most people are getting away with things. However, we are talking about, what was it, $8 billion in no way that eight billion—that's fake. Forty billion—that's well more. Wow, more than forty billion annually of f- false claims. So imagine how much less we would be paying if people were just chill about this. They were not committing insurance fraud. So I know we start started with Alex Murdoch. If you guys are interested in you know hearing more about that stuff, also check out my podcast. Uh, 
TikTok podcast, sorry. It's like the video aspect of it. I do a lot of videos so you can see kind of like a cool visual aspect of it. So guys, remember with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.